Now, you know that the scriptures tell you that you have the mind of Christ, but this is a reason you have the mind of Christ. Christ is in you and you're in Christ. I am a child of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Christ. Now, these are all in scripture in the book of Romans. Romans 8, you can look it up later, tells that you are a child of God. The spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are children of God. And if children, you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. That's telling you who you are. Actually, if you got no more than what we just covered, you would be well ahead of the class. If you really got that, believed that and acted on it, you'd be ahead of the class, believe me. Now, in another scripture, this is number two, about what we are in Christ. We find this in Colossians chapter two, verse nine. We are reminded that Christ, that in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. Now, let me explain that to you if you don't know what that means. It means that in Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and the full power of the Trinity, the Godhead, dwells in him. And thus, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, the very next verse says, you are complete in him. If you have the full Godhead in you, there is nothing left out. You are definitely complete in him. And uh, so, you're compl so you are complete in Christ, who is ahead of all principality and power. Now, you are complete in Christ means that you are whole and entire with nothing lacking or missing. Complete means complete, nothing missing. You already have everything that from God that you will ever need to live that victorious and overcoming life. You already have it, as we say from time to time. In other words, you have everything within you already to do what needs to be done, to know what needs to be known, and to act in a way in which you need to act in any given situation. Your job is to give expression to this completeness by what you think, by what you believe, by what you say, speak, and by the way you act. If the scriptures tell us that we are kings and priests, then you should act kingly and priestly, which means that you don't walk around with your head hung down, looking and acting dejected. You act like a king. So that's what acting is all about. Now, your positive confession from the second one is, I am complete in Christ, and I have the power of the Godhead, of Father God, Christ, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit in me as my power source and guide in life. Now, this means that I am the master of my faith and the captain of my soul. God has given me this life, and you've heard this before, and what I do with this life is my gift back to God. Again, it's what I do. If you sit on your thumbs and do nothing, then God can't do anything with you because you will see later, if I don't cover it in this message, it'll be, it'll be I've covered it before. The scriptures talk about us being workers together with him, God working with us. We don't work for God, we work with him. So if you're not doing anything, he has nothing to work with. So you've got to do something. Now, on being complete, Apostle Price writes this in 
the power of positive confession. He says, when you begin to see yourself as complete and begin to confess that, speaking life to your life, it will cause you to live up to what God says about you. It is not a psych job. It is releasing the power of God and the power of God is released by the words we speak. The power of God is released by words that we speak. And by the way, when you release negative words and negative words that, that, that speak death in the situation, God is not releasing that death to you, but you, you're giving Satan the authority and the power to release that to you. So it's very important what you say, very important how you say it. It's very important what you hear, how you hear. The word of God, as he says here, the power of God is released by the words we speak. And he says, we just read it. The word of God says we are complete in Christ. Now you have to remember this. The fact that you already have it because you are complete in Christ does not mean that you don't have to work on shaping your life with the resources that have been given to you and deposited within you. You will have challenges and opportunities to falter in life, but you have the word of God and the Holy Spirit as your support at all times. In other words, what it's saying is, what I'm saying here is that you're gonna always have challenges. You're gonna have challenges. And as a matter of fact, when you uh, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're born again and you're saved, actually the challenges seem to come in droves then. So, uh, so you're gonna have challenges, but you have the power to meet successfully any challenge. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That means greater is the power within you than anything that the world can throw at you. That's in the word. That's 1 John 4, 4. Uh, that's the scripture that you're familiar with. See, these are not just idle words. You need to take these words to heart. Stand on these words say these words, especially in the face of challenge, and I say especially in the face of challenge, you need to say them in the face of challenge, but guess what? If you repeat them and say them before there's a challenge, you will be able to meet the challenge so much better. I have a little phrase that the best preparation is pre-preparation. That's a new word. Pre-preparation is the best preparation, so forth. If you're prayed up, when the challenge hits you, it won't hit you so hard because you'll have balance. So you have the, uh, you have to apply the word to your circumstances and you have to ask the Holy Spirit for help and guidance. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. The Holy Spirit abides with us forever to do just that, to guide us, to guide us into all truth and to help us understand what we don't understand. Now, number three, Continuing with what we are in Christ, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The son of his love, of course, is Christ Jesus. Now, the word delivered is past tense. So this means that your deliverance from the demonic power of darkness is already accomplished. You don't have to wait to be delivered. You are already delivered. And the word power here means the authority or dominion of darkness, which is the kingdom of Satan. You've been delivered from the power of darkness, Satan's power of darkness. Your positive confession here is 
I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am free and delivered from all sinful acts, from all acts that would limit me or place me in bondage. Now, since you are delivered, you now need to act as if you're delivered. And I gave this to you before. I'm going to repeat it here again. Again, it's acting like you're delivered. Top of page four. As I pointed out before, being delivered means this, that you are able to pass up that bar or liquor store on your way home from work. It means that you walk right past a newsstand or store that sells porno magazines. It means that you no longer visit those websites featuring pornographic materials, you know, in the night, in the dark, in your bedroom, that you, that you feel that nobody can see you. It means, by the way, nothing is done in secret. And I don't mean secret from God. I mean nothing is done in secret from the man who has control of all of the tech. They have access to everything that you think, everything that you say, everything. If you don't believe it, I have, when I go and visit a restaurant or Macy's, I have something immediately comes up for me to evaluate my visit. Now, how do they know I just went there? You know, and so on. So anyway, it's all known. It's known by God, and now it's known by man. <laughs> okay. It means that you stop visiting Miss Mary's house of ill repute that passes off as a massage parlor. I'm just going in to get a massage. It means the next time you stop at a motel, it is for an overnight rest as you're traveling across country, not for a local layover that says three hours, not overnight. Now, it means that you say no thanks when offered a drink or cigarette. Acting as if you are delivered means that you act as if all those past practices, habits, places of visitation don't exist anymore. They don't exist for you anymore. These past habits don't exist for the new creation in Christ who is complete in him and who has been delivered from the power of darkness. And you can call upon the power of the uh, uh, the, the, upon the power and help offered in Philippians 4.13 a familiar scripture which says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me now four let's look at another scripture dealing with what we are in Christ Galatians 3.13 says this Christ we, we've delivered now it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law now this is important because Adam delivered us into and under the curse of the law. Uh, you find the curse described in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 19. And I'm going to read it to you. It says this in verse 15, Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 19. It says this, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey, obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which by the way is simply his word, which I command you today that all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. They'll come upon you and overtake you. It'll be overwhelming. 16, cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. In other words, cursed everywhere you go. 17, cursed shall, you be, your, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. And so, and I explained that before, this basket is, is storage. These are referring to storage. So cursed shall you be in the place where you store up your excess money and excess goods. That could be the bank account, it could be your 401, it could be uh, stocks and bonds. 
18, cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. Contempor speaking of this in contemporary language, it would be the, your offspring, your children, produce of your land. That's your job or your business and so forth. And the increase in your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. That's the success or lack of success of what you set your hands to, either your job or your business. And 19, cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. From the others, you're cursed everywhere, all the time, wherever you are. <laughs> if you don't obey the word of God. Now, these scriptures tell us all the curses that shall come upon you and overtake you if you do not obey God's word. God's word is our protection from the curse. Now, consider the example of Apostle Price. He gave us this 40 years ago, uh, and it's a, a great example uh, to illustrate the protecting power of God's word. Now, we all know that the Travelers Insurance Company's logo is a red umbrella. We see this umbrella open as rain is falling all around it. Underneath the umbrella, it is perfectly dry. The point made by the company is that if you are covered by the insurance policy, you are protected from all of the adverse conditions because you're standing under its policy, its red umbrella. The rain is symbolic of automobile accidents, fires, various hazards, and other catastrophic insurable events. The word of God is like the umbrella. As long as you stay under it, observe to do all that God says in his word, then you have the protection of God's umbrella. The word is your protection. The umbrella, just think about Psalm uh, 90, what it says. Just think about Psalm 90. None of these things shall come nigh you, that, uh, that you are protected. You are protected uh, by God because you dwell in the secret place of the Most High and you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, Again, God's word is like that umbrella. As long as you stay under it, observe to do all that God says in his word, then you have the protection of God's umbrella. The umbrella that God's word, the, the umbrella that is God's word, does not stop the curses from coming. It's important to understand that. Nor does it do away with the curses so they no longer exist. What it does, it, it keeps the rain, the curses from falling on you. If you hold up the umbrella of God's protecting word, you can walk right through any storm and come out dry. It's very important. That's why the word is so important. It's so important that you know the word. And this is why I give as much of it in print to you so you can have it in front of you so you can review it, you know, during the week, which I know all of you are going to do. You're going to go back and study this and hook up where you need to in the Bible uh, to confirm it. Now, again, the important thing is that you are in control. The way you exercise this control is by learning, believing, and confessing God's word. Sickness and disease are curses. So is poverty and fear. God wants you to avoid the curse, and he tells you exactly how to do it. If you observe to do, to follow his word, you will remain under the protection of God's umbrella, which is his word. The curse should not operate in a Christian's life. But if you permit it, by stepping out from under God's protecting word, then God has to permit it. He has to permit the curse to operate in your life. You step out from under the, uh, the, the positive protection of the word when you say, you know, this is stage four. There's no cure for it. 
when you say there's no hope, when you say I will never be able to do this, that's, that's when you're stepping out because the word says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So whenever you speak negatively, you're speaking death is your situation and you're stepping out from under the protecting word of God and you're opening yourself up for the curse. Now, the curse is blind and it attacks everyone. It has no preference for color, gender, age, or sexual orientation. However, the good news again is Christ has redeemed us from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. Your positive confession here at the top of page six is I am redeemed from the curse of the law, the curse of poverty, sickness, and fear of death. I am free from the law of sin and sin does not rule in my life and in my body because I am in control, not Satan. Now, going back to the scripture in Galatians that speaks of our being redeemed from the curse Let's look again at Galatians 3.13 and add verse 14. And together they say this. This is Galatians 3.13, You have it right there in front of you. 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 14, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law so that, in 14, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That's us, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit about the blessing of Abraham, and I'm going to explain what the promise of the Spirit through faith is, because not we don't always understand what that means. Now, fact one again, what we are in Christ, this time we're discussing the blessing of Abraham. So the description of the next thing we are in Christ comes from Galatians 3.14, which we just read up above, where we Christians are the recipients or heirs of the blessing of Abraham. Now let's be sure we understand the role that Christ plays in facilitating the transfer of the blessing of Abraham to us and why this blessing is considered a part of what we are in Christ. Now the place of Jesus in facilitating the transfer of the blessing to us and making us heirs of the blessing of Abraham starts with understanding the pivotal role that Jesus plays in God's overall plan for redemption and his plan for restoration and right standing, righteousness. This understanding begins with knowing that everything that Father God does and has done, he does it through the Son. He does it through Christ, in Christ or through Christ. He does it through his Son who is the living word, a Logos. This is Christ Jesus. This fact is clearly stated in the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, verses 1 and 3, and I've gone over this with you before, but let's look at it again right here at the bottom of the page starting. That's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In verse 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word. You know the Word is referring to Jesus. And the Word was with God, and note the Word was God. Father and the Son are one. Two, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, by the way. But, and number two, he, meaning Jesus, was in the beginning with God. Number three, all things were made through him, that's Jesus, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Nothing that was made was made without Jesus. So in this opening of the Gospel of John, we understand that everything that God does, he does it through the Son, Jesus, who is the living word or living logos. 
This is why everything God says about what we are, what we have, where we are, and what we can do are all in or through Christ because he works through Christ. Of course, this means that the blessing of Abraham was effectuated or made possible through Christ Jesus. Now, remember what Galatians 3, 13, 14 says, which we just discussed. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, verse 13, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. The Gentiles are us, non-Jews, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of a spirit through faith. Now, to redeem, and you know this, those of you who use a pawn shop from time to time, you know that when you go back to, <laughs> to pay for your goods, that you're redeeming them. You have a redemption ticket and you have to pay whatever the price has been set and you get your radio back or your watch back or whatever and so forth. That's what redeem means. It means to repurchase or to buy it back. And those gun enthusiasts, when you, when you pawn your rifle or your gun or your magnum, for, you know, you go back and you pay the money and you get your magnum back. Now, it means to repurchase or buy back. We were lost or, or delivered to the curse by means of the action of Adam in the garden. We all know this, when he disobeyed God. But by his shed blood on Calvary, Jesus brought us back or redeemed us for the Father. So that's what it means by we are bought back. We're redeemed by Christ Jesus. Now, as you know, Next to the last paragraph, Jesus is called the seed, singular, of Abraham, the one who is the inheritor of the blessing of Abraham. As we recall, I, just, I, I think I explained this in detail before. I'm just giving you a, a synopsis here. As we, as we recall, Adam operated under the blessing of God originally, but because of his sin, the blessing became a curse for himself and for all of the existing and future earth. As the last Adam, remember Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus carries the heavenly blessings, but he can't access the earth that has been turned over to Satan's rule with these blessings without coming through the womb of a woman as the seed of Abraham. That's why you have the birth of Jesus through the birth canal of a woman. Look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter one, verses one, chapter one, verse one, which reads this. It says, in the beginning, this book, meaning the book of Matthew, is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now, if you read the first chapter there, you'll see the genealogy, and you see how the genealogy goes from Abraham to Jesus. Jesus is from the house of David. Remember, it was, it was, it was foretold that he would come from the house of David. And that's what this is talking about. So he's a son of David. He's a son of Abraham. Since Adam turned over the dominion of the earth to Satan, God had to get access or permission to, to re-enter the earth realm again. And he, his chosen access route, and I explained this in, in messages before, to earth was through Abraham. He found someone who was obedient enough that he could use this or that person as an access to get back into the earth realm. As you recall the story, Abraham was deemed qualified to be the channel of God's pronounced blessing because of his obedience to God. Now, I say in offering up his son Isaac as a sacrifice, as God had requested through an angel who spoke on behalf of Father God to, John, to Abraham. 
but it was his obedience throughout. Remember at the very beginning, when I think he was 75, God said, get yourself out of your country, leave all your kinfolk and go to a place that I will show you. That's at 75. I mean, how many of you would like to be told to uproot yourself and leave your family and leave your, your house and everything that you know and leave? So he was obedient to God from, from the, the, the very beginning. Now with this act of offering up his son, Isaac, to be sacrificed, remember, on the altar, Abraham was found to have absolute obedience to God, unlike Adam in the garden. This is also why Jesus is called the seed of Abraham because he carries the gene of absolute dedication and obedience to God. This is a summary of this. I, I laid this out in detail in the message before, and I know you all remember that. But I did, and, and so I'm just giving you a summary here. Otherwise, that would take 20 pages to explain all of this. So through the redemptive work of Jesus, he facilitates the transfer of the blessing to us as believers, whereby we become, like him, the seed of Abraham. Remember these words from Galatians 3, 27 and 29, 27 and 29. It says this, Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, put on Christ. Now we're baptized into Christ when we're born again by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. So as many as of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, as Jesus delivered our salvation and redemption, and we accept it, that's as he delivers it, the blessing of Abraham comes upon our life as a believer when we are born again. If you want to know when does it happen, it happens when you're born again. This is how and when Jesus facilitates the transfer of the blessing to us when we are baptized into Christ and become therefore Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, as we just saw above in Galatians 3.29. This happens when we're born again. A lot happens when you're born again. The, the fact that you don't know it, and maybe you've never been taught it, and then maybe you say, I don't see it. But, but you, in fact, the blessing is pronounced upon you at the time that you're born again. Now, let me explain the promise of the Spirit. Uh, the scripture says uh, that, uh, let me go back to this, this, this that the, the scripture is three, Galatians 3, 14, that the blessing, it's on page seven, the, the page before. Look at, look at verse 14. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So I'm going to discuss the promise of the Spirit because I know that so many don't understand exactly what that means. We're a teaching ministry here and we try to help you understand the word, the word that we teach and the word that's in the Bible. So look again at Galatians 3.14, which I just had you do, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now at first blush, it appears that this statement from Galatians might have reference to the Holy Spirit of promise or the promised spirit that we learned about from Jesus in the Gospel of John. You know, when he promises that the Father will send the Holy Spirit, he'll pray to the Father and he'll send uh, another helper to you, that other helper is the Spirit and so forth, who will abide with you and be with you forever. You might think that the promise of the Spirit is talking about this. It's not. You might think that it's talking about the promised spirit that we hear about also in, in, the, in the Gospel and we 
hear about it in the first couple of chapters of, of Acts. But this is not what Galatians 3.14 means. To understand the statement from Galatians 3.14 that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, we need to go back to the promise God made to Abraham. And again, I'm giving you a quick summary here. In Genesis 12.3, God says to Abram, Abraham, I guess at that point he really was Abram. God says to Abraham, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here God is speaking about the future, the future peoples of the earth. Now we know from Isaiah 46.10 that God declares the end from the beginning. He sees the end at the beginning, which is a gift that we have too. We just don't know it. At the beginning, looking to the end, which is the future, God knows that there's actually only one being, his son Jesus, who would possibly fulfill and perfect the promise of the blessing. This perfection of Jesus would overturn the curse caused by Adam, whereby the whole, whole earth could, uh, would be blessed. So this promise made to Abraham back in Genesis is to be fulfilled by Jesus in the future. Now, so Jesus is actually the fulfillment of the promise of God made to Abraham, that through him all the nations, meaning all the peoples of the earth, would be blessed. This is the promise of the Spirit. This is the promise of the Spirit. This is the Spirit of God promised to Abraham that we receive through faith. This is what Galatians 3.29 is referring to when it says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's the promise it's referring to there. That's, again, reference to the promise. Uh, okay. Now, you're going to have to, the reason I have it written down here, you have to go back and study this, because and, 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 just me talking, you're not, you're not going to get, now, you don't remember that I covered all this in one of the previous messages uh, when I discussed the uh, fullness of the blessing, uh, but you, you, when you get into this, you'll see uh, uh, what it means. So, that promise of the Spirit, in terms of Abraham's blessing, is referring to the blessing of Abraham that's facilitated by Jesus later on uh, after, uh, you know, after uh, Adam had uh, separated us from God's spirit by what he did in the, in, 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 in the uh, Garden of, of Eden. Now, look at what in Romans 4, verses 13 and 16, Romans chapter 4, verses 13 and 16, Apostle Paul, Paul writes this, trying to give you more clarification. He says, in 13, this is Romans 4, starting with verse 13, going through 16. 13, it says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. 15, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. And 16, therefore it is of faith that it, the promise, might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Abraham is our father as, as well. So the blessing of Abraham comes in and upon you when you're born again.
but it has to be, to be released by you, by faith. It has to be released by your faith. Now, let's spend our remaining time uh, discussing uh, why the blessing of Abraham is so important. For the Christian believer, we know that there are spiritual blessings and there are material blessings. Our spiritual relationship with God and hence our spiritual blessings come through whom? Through, through Jesus, through our connection to Jesus, through salvation. Jesus is a carrier of all spiritual blessings. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse three, where we are told this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reading Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Through Christ Jesus, we are the heirs of every spiritual blessing. There's nothing left out of every. This is every spiritual blessing. Now, let's look at this. But as Christian believers who live in a physical three-dimensional world, that's what this world is that we live in. That's Manhattan and New York, the five boroughs, New York State, the rest of the country, the rest of the world. There are material things that we need to live in this life. Our physical relationship and our material blessings come through the blessing of Abraham. Spiritual blessings come through Jesus. Material blessings come through Abraham. Now, how do we know that the blessing God pronounced upon Abraham, Abraham in Genesis, was, was material and not spiritual? I'm going to set this out right here. I do it in more detail in that other lesson. But here I think you'll be able to follow. The blessing of Abraham had to be material because God could not bless Abraham with spiritual blessings because Abraham was spiritually dead. Now, what do I mean by that? You only become alive spiritually when you are born again through faith in, in Christ Jesus. As a patriarch in the Old Testament, Abraham was before Jesus, before Jesus brought salvation into the earth realm. So Abraham was not saved and therefore God could not bless him spiritually. He was spiritually dead. Spiritual blessings are considered to be pronounced in us and thus are internal. Now that bears more explanation, but I won't do it this morning, but I just want to do a, draw a contrast here. Remember Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing, oh, Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. I just want to contrast the spiritual blessings that are in us. The material blessings of Abraham come upon us. Now why is that important? The material blessings are blessings that are to be seen by you and by others who see you. In other words, you could be blessed spiritually and nobody might not even know it, you know, and so forth. Although if you're blessed spiritually, there obviously is outward manifestation. The material blessings of Abraham are external. They are to be seen by you. They are the tangibility of the blessing, to be seen by you and seen by others. So when you're blessed materially, we can see it. We can see it. And so it's important. That's why uh, the blessing of Abraham is so important. It comes upon us. It's external, it's visible and tangible that others can see and you can see. Now, 
we can confirm the, the materiality of Abraham's blessing by looking at what the word of God says in the Bible. Turning to the scripture in the Bible, we see in Genesis 13, chapter 2, where it says, Abram, that's Abraham's name before God changed it to Abraham. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And in Genesis 24, verse 1, we are told, now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. In all things. It doesn't say he was blessed in all spiritual blessings. He was blessed in all things. He was blessed in all things. Now, and Galatians 3, 9 says this, so then those of us who are of faith, that's us believers, are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, let me summarize some of the material ways we are blessed through the blessing of Abraham. These are material. We can expect to be blessed in all things as Abraham was that we see recorded in Genesis 24, which I just read to you. We can expect to be blessed financially. Abraham was very rich, and we can expect to be rich. And people say, well, you know, not everybody is rich. You have to understand, rich does not mean that everyone will be a millionaire or a billionaire or even, you know, have hundreds of thousands of dollars. Rich means abundantly supplied, as in having more than enough. If you have more than enough, most people would consider themselves rich. If you have more than enough, that means you have something to share. So you have something to give, so you, you're, you're rich. So I want you to understand that. And remember what Jesus himself said in John 10.10. 10. He says that he came that we might have life and have it how? More abundantly. We can expect, this is number four, we can expect God's protection as God blessed Abraham with protection in battle in another perilous situation. You know, he went through a number of challenging situations that he could have lost his life. He went to battle. And remember, he had enough in his household in terms of soldiers that he took his staff and went and, and recaptured. I mean, and, and, and a lot back, you know, a lot had been, take, had been taken into captivity. He used his own army. So he was blessed with staff, with army, with, with men, with male servants, uh, female servants, and so forth. So he was abundantly blessed. We can expect God's protection as God blessed Abraham with protection. Number four, we can, we can expect increase. That's multiplication in what we have and what we set our hands to. We already know that our God is a God of multiplication. That's important. Not just a God of addition. He multiplies it and so forth. If you get in the word, stand on the word, confess the word, then you can expect your increase to be multiplied. And, and the Bible talks about when you give, for example, talks about what, 25-fold, 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold, and so forth. So there are various measurements in which you will be multiplied. Now, number five, we can expect our descendants, meaning our children, to be blessed. Six, we can expect to achieve advancement and position in life. Now, this could be in your job, in your family, in your community, in public service, or in the church. Abraham was promised that his name would be great. God promised him that his name would be great. We can expect to receive the respect of others. Abraham was told by God that all the nations, meaning all the peoples of the world, would call him great. And eight, we can expect to be a blessing to others, as Abraham was, 
and as Abraham told that he would be. When we have more than enough, we can be a blessing to others. We can channel material goods to them. Knowing that we're spiritually blessed, we can pray for people and bless them uh, in so many ways, spiritually in terms of helping them to realize who they are. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that I do, uh, and, I, and I've been doing this for some time now, and, and it really picked up when I couldn't hardly walk. Was, I think it was, this was last year when I had that, what they call labral tear in, in this. So every time I see a person who is having difficulty walking, a person in a wheelchair or a walker, I pray for them. I bless them. And you know what blessing means? Blessing means empower to prosper, empower you to prosper with healing, empower you to prosper in gaining strength and so forth and so on. So we can expect to be a blessing to others as Abraham was told that he would be. Your positive confession, it's the last word for the day at the bottom of the page is, I am in Christ and I am an heir of the blessing of Abraham. So I am guided, directed, and prospered in all my ways and in whatever I set my hands to. So we will end with that today. We'll pick it up uh, next time.